It's Thursday, June the 4th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Trump officials differ over militarization, and HSBC sides with China in Hong Kong. First, the world in brief. Division emerged among the top ranks of the Trump administration over the appropriate response to the protests that are roiling America. President Donald Trump and his fiercer supporters have clamoured to deploy troops, be it to dominate the battle space or prevent looting. Yesterday, the Defence Secretary Mark Esper called that unwarranted. General James Mattis, Mr Esper's predecessor, accused the president of trying to divide us with excessive militarization. Prosecutors in Minnesota posed further charges against the police officers responsible for the killing of an unarmed black man nine days ago, which sparked the protests. HSBC and Standard Chartered, two British banks with hefty Asian interests, threw their weight behind the national security law that China wants to impose on Hong Kong. HSBC, which has a huge Hong Kong presence, had until now assiduously avoided taking sides in the battle between the territory's pro-democracy and pro-Beijing factions. The bank's Asia-Pacific head said the law would stabilise the social order. Boris Johnson, meanwhile, took the path of greater resistance. Britain's Prime Minister confirmed that his government is considering updating the country's visa system in order to give up to three million eligible Hong Kongers a path to British citizenship should China's proposed law be enacted. Mr Johnson's plan was given short shrift by China's foreign ministry, which said it would definitely backfire. China looked to de-escalate an aviation row after the Trump administration announced a ban on Chinese airlines travelling to America. American carriers voluntarily stopped flights to China early during the pandemic, but had not won permission to resume. However, China now says that foreign airlines will be allowed to run one flight to its cities per week. A French court ordered Felicien Cabuga, often described as Africa's most wanted man, to be tried at a UN tribunal. Mr. Kabuga is accused of having financed and armed Hutu extremists during the Rwandan genocide of 1994. He was arrested in Paris last month after a manhunt lasting more than 20 years that involved several national law enforcement agencies and international bodies. Anders Tegnell, the architect of Sweden's coronavirus response, conceded that the country may have used too light a touch. Sweden, which encouraged voluntary distancing, has had a higher death rate than Norway and Denmark, which locked down. Mr Tegnell said that, in hindsight, the best policy might have lain between Sweden's and those of other countries. And Russia declared a state of emergency after 20,000 tonnes of diesel leaked into a Siberian river. The disaster was caused by a collapsed fuel tank at a thermal power plant near the town of Norilsk. President Vladimir Putin fumed that it had taken Nor-Nickel, a mining giant whose subsidiary runs the facility, two days to come clean. And now, here's today's agenda. Shining a light, June 4th in Hong Kong. Hong Kongers looked on in solidarity when student-led pro-democracy demonstrators took to Tiananmen Square in Beijing in 1989, but hope turned to horror as the Chinese army opened fire on protesters, terrifying Hong Kong, which the British had agreed to cede to Chinese control. 
A candlelit vigil is held annually on June 4th to remember the victims. Attendance had been uneven before 2019 when nearly 200,000 people gathered in Victoria Park mere days before a huge march to oppose an unpopular extradition law. This year, the police have banned the event, as they will other anniversary marches, placing thousands of officers on the street to deter protesters. The authorities cite social distancing, not public order restrictions. Plan B is for Hong Kongers to light candles wherever they are at 8pm. This may become the norm. A national security law the Chinese government plans to impose on Hong Kong does not augur well for future commemorations, organizers fear. Reviva Las Vegas, casinos reopen. The gambling industry's pandemic-induced shutdown has hit Las Vegas hard. 15% of Nevada's labor force is directly employed by casinos, and much of the town's economy is tied to gambling and tourism. Today, casinos welcome guests back to the tables. Most properties will remain at half capacity, undergoing more rigorous sanitation procedures and making masks available. But even with these inconveniences, they're expected to draw in the crowds. With most sports leagues shut down and table gaming outlawed even online in many states, Americans have struggled to find legal ways to roll the dice during quarantine. Caesars Entertainment, a hotel and casino operator, originally planned to open only two of its nine properties on the Las Vegas Strip, but added a third due to strong demand. Investors are starting to see profit in the cards. American gaming stocks lost two-thirds of their value between February and March, but have since doubled. OPEC – Crude Calculations The task of stabilizing oil prices, never easy, has recently looked futile. Yet that is what OPEC and its allies, led by Russia, were to attempt at their next meeting, which some members had hoped would be held today. In March and April, a price war between Russia and Saudi Arabia coincided with an implosion in demand caused by COVID-19. The cartel and its allies agreed to reduce output by 9.7 million barrels a day in May and June, then by 7.7 million barrels for the rest of the year. Now, Russia and Saudi Arabia have reportedly agreed to extend the 9.7 million barrel cut briefly. However, neither a new meeting date nor the final terms of a deal are settled. Saudi Arabia is keen that all members comply with the agreement. The group is likely to find a compromise. No one wants the spring's travails to be repeated this summer, but the market is jittery. Big Shots – Funding Vaccines Today, world leaders will attend the Global Vaccine Summit, a virtual event organised by the British government to secure funding for Gavi, a public-private partnership which supports vaccination efforts worldwide. The hope is to raise at least $7.4 billion to cover its operations for the next four years. Gavi aims to immunise an additional 300 million children, saving more than 7 million lives. Developing countries are expected to make their largest immunisation investment in history. The pandemic has disrupted routine vaccinations for diseases such as measles, polio, diphtheria and cholera in 68 countries with serious consequences. About 80 million children under the age of one will be affected. At the same time, scientists are racing to create a COVID-19 vaccine. Gavi will be integral to its purchase and distribution around the world. The simple act of vaccination has long been one of the most powerful tools in public health. Now is the time to invest it with new urgency. 
serving up stimulus, the European Central Bank. Like other central banks, the ECB has cooked up an alphabet soup of schemes to counter the economic effects of COVID-19. When it meets today, it will decide whether it needs to ease monetary policy further. In March, it launched the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Programme, which will buy 750 billion euros, 844 billion dollars of assets this year. That ceiling seems likely to be reached in the autumn. Some economists expect the ECB to raise it today. That might help the euro area's economy to recover. It contracted by 3.8% in the first quarter compared with the previous three months, even before lockdowns became widespread. Market expectations of inflation in coming years, already low, have slouched since the pandemic. In May, Germany's constitutional court ruled that the ECB's five-year-old quantitative easing scheme was not proportionate, provoking fears that legal risks might cause the ECB to rein in asset purchases. Expanding the PEPP would show that it continues undeterred. Finally, here's the quote of the day from François Quenet, who was born on this day in 1694. To secure the greatest amount of pleasure with the least possible outlay should be the aim of all economic effort. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.